Welcome to another episode of the Golden Moment Podcast. My name's Mio Biskin. Today I spoke with my friend and extraordinary drummer Danny McKenna. He's the drummer on my latest album Golden Moment, but he's also played with many, many other Australian luminaries. So he's um, a longtime drummer with Jeff Lang. He's played with Mia Dyson. He's played in the Bloody McKennas, which is a, a group of uh, his siblings formed this amazing band um, and many, many, many other bands over the years in and around the Melbourne music scene, but all over the country, performing at festivals, on tours. And so it was a really great chat to get in to find out a bit more about Danny's origin story, even though we played music together. Um, it was an opportunity for me to kind of find out more about what what drives him as a drummer. And it was... It was very interesting finding out that started at a very early age for him and then he just really stuck to that path for a very long time and really um, eked out his own kind of style, very intuitively picking up drums and um, developing it as his own thing. So it was a really cool conversation. I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. So here is my conversation with Danny McKenna. All right, well, I'm here with Mr. Danny McKenna drummer extraordinaire does all sorts of things animates things how's it going danny hey mio good thanks mate cool so, it's nice to see your face <laughs> yeah yours too it's been a while so yeah we yellow going on there mio I'm usually That's used to seeing you in a yellow t-shirt or a, oh there's, there's a oh, little yeah. bit little bit sneaking in kind subliminal <laughs> faded 70s can yellow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, nice to see you, mate. Yeah, great to see you too. Um, yeah, so I will have will have done a bit of an intro um, to you, so people know a bit about who you are. But maybe tell us your your standard bio, where it all started for you, and um, okay. how you got into drumming, and where it's at. Big what story. Like? Mm, we got time. I'm over 40 years old, so where do you want me to start? <laughs> At the very beginning. We, we won't do a one-for-one one retelling, you know, like I picked up the stick and then I went like that. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it, um, drumming seemed like it just landed like a big clap of thunder from the gods. It was almost like Thor's hammer just landed on the dinner table one night because my brother, <laughs> Anthony, Ant, who I since have gone into playing bands with, uh, he was studying music at school. He was playing guitar, so he was sort of very musical. And one night at the dinner table, he just picked up his knife and fork and he started just going. And I'm this tiny little whippersnapper and I just went, (laughs) something in me went, twing. I picked up mine and I was like. I'm already way better than you, man. What's going on? <laughs> With zero so, practice. Yeah, it was a lightning moment of, wow, okay, something happened there. So mm. um, so how old were you then? Oh, you know, four, five. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Cool. Yeah. Very early on. So then it was kind of a slow process over a few years of following that. It was following that dream. It was kind of like, okay, what is this? What does this mean? And then watching uh, the morning video hits or mm-hmm. whatever was on around that time. 
maybe it was MTV came a bit later, but yeah, it was literally all um, countdown and rage and yep. and then going, oh right, drums is that and this is what they oh, do. And so right. I kind of started to learn just purely by watching and listening. Mm. And then I would um, start to create my own drum sets because I come from a very large family, so there wasn't uh, that kind of uh, spending available at that mm, time. Yeah. Said, oh, you want a drum kit? Sure. So <laughs> yeah, I made yeah, my yeah. own out of uh, uh, cardboard boxes and that progressed to uh, ice cream containers and... <laughs> You know, I got very creative and made the stands yeah. and tried to make my own foot pedal and, you know, was just dove all the way into it. Mm. Uh, there's a picture on my Instagram actually of me playing the uh, cardboard box kit, having a jam with my brothers. Oh, I've got to um, watch that. Might, might flush that up. But, um, yeah, it kind of just evolved probably over six years uh, where I would basically learn how to play the drums playing on cardboard boxes and watching uh, music videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then playing along to the radio. And by the time I was in grade six, I'd already taken my cardboard, you know, uh, hybrid drum sets to school and jammed <laughs> along with the music teacher and, I, and she was playing piano. I was up the front doing a little performance and, you know, so I was already into the mm-hmm. live performance thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, God, I wish I had videos of that time. It would be hilarious to watch. Yeah. That. Yeah, um, I remember this cardboard drum kit falling apart as it's been <laughs> taken out of a car by Dad at school. Just going, what are you doing? It's going to be awesome, Dad. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I've always just had that yearning and want to connect with music wherever it comes from, and mm. then have that pass through me, and then connect to an audience. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. I get my got my first drum kit in year seven. Yeah. So you know, I'd seriously been hassling my parents for a good five years by that point. Like, yeah. yeah wow. And we had this thing called the Trading Post, which was a newspaper. Oh yeah. 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 Um, it's like eBay, but you know, newspaper. And <laughs> I was just always zooming on the kits and go look for something that was really cheap. And I'd go, Mum, there's a seven piece pearl export. <laughs> <laughs> Three hundred dollars, like keep dreaming, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's probably like bargain of the century, but it's just like it's totally too much. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I got my first kid in uh, year seven, and that was just mind blowing. Just to go from mm. cardboard boxes to actual drums, mind blowing. <laughs> um, so then, yeah, it's a whole other uh, realm of learning. And trying to work out what the hell the real ones do and pulling drums apart and seeing how they work and mm. how they tuned and, you know, how to look after them and different sounds you could get. Uh, and then it was just basically play along to all my favourite music or music yeah. that had sort of been uh, an influence come my way via my brother's record collections and stuff, which are still uh, yeah. snaffled to this day, yeah. Uh, nice. Uh, yeah, back in the days when vinyl was like, oh, we're going to throw all this vinyl out. Yeah. I said, I'll have it all, Mum. Don't you worry. I'll take it all. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I scored some awesome, yeah, vintage records there. Um, yeah, play along. Yeah. To listen to the radio, exploring different kinds of music. Mm-hmm. Never got one drum lesson. Just mm-hmm. learnt purely by playing and listening. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, a bit of jamming in high school. Uh, had some school bands, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, where do you go from there? Yeah. I keep talking, yeah. but, you know, yeah, yeah, probably yeah. Well, want to get yeah. more questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll go forward in time in a second. But even with that, because um, one of the questions I sort of, it was kicking around my head was your diversity. Like you, that you can, you know, you seem to be quite comfortable in lots of different styles and techniques yeah. like jazz and atmospheric stuff to really lay down rock or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, so where do you, where did that sort of come from? Was that just from listening a lot to different stuff and trying I things out? So, yeah. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. when you, when you go and study something, you have to focus on one thing particularly mm. and get it right. Mm. Um, so for me, it was more about, yeah, that total kind of world of music. I would hear things and go, oh, right. So how, did they, how are they doing that? Even if it was mm. an atmospheric thing or a classical piece or, you know, some weird, I don't know, uh, experimental jazz or, you know, mm. I just sort of be, just going, what's going on there? Mm. Can I do it? And then practicing, oh yeah, that's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and just, I guess you got to have a love for music in general, just mm. to want to explore those different areas, seeing value in what they are. Like, you know, I'll be yeah. driving home, say, if we've had a rehearsal in Melbourne and I drive home to Geelong, mm. I put on PBS or something, the radio station in Melbourne, and there'll be the extreme metal show on. And I'm just going, right, wow, crank this up. What's going on? What's yeah, the latest? Yeah. What are they singing about? Why are they doing that? Yeah. Wow, that's crazy drumming for on. You know, that's not my taste, but I totally appreciate it. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's just, it, it's, it comes from a broad love of music and, mm. and want to be able to express it. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like a, a really broad curiosity too, like just an openness to see where you can find value in what other people are doing and just going, well, I'll try some of that. Like that sounds interesting. I'll have a go yeah. at that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, cool. but like any artist, you always get pigeonholed or you get sort of stuck in a spot where you go, oh, I keep repeating myself or I'm bored of what I'm doing. And mm. you kind of, you are always thinking, how can I change what I'm doing? How can I make myself more interested in what I'm doing? Mm. I, know, I know you probably feel the same way as a, as a singer-songwriter. Mm. Uh, you know, many artists I've worked for, they sing the same songs over and over and over and over and over, over years and years and years because mm. they've become popular or maybe they've had a hit. So mm. the trick is to still be in love with that mm. um, part of your expression. Yeah. But also yeah. try and make it still relevant and still make make it uh, resonate for you. Yeah. Uh, the same thing happens with drummers, you know. Yeah. Pretty, so how do, how do you do that? How do you reconnect, like, if, if you play the same song with a band over and over or whatever, what are some things that help to make it fresh so you can reconnect to it or be excited about it? Or do you not? Do you just, like, screw this, sick of this song? There's <laughs> uh, a bit of that. Yeah. I never say screw it because I feel lucky to be at a festival and you know playing. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
I've, I've worked with Jeff Lang, have done for many, many years. And the great thing about Jeff is that we never rehearse. <laughs> He'll just sort of, we'll just, um, we're playing less and less these years purely because of, you know, current musical situation. Mm. So we might do a few festivals a year. Uh, we're certainly not doing the big band tours and album launches with big bands and flying around stuff because it's not viable at the minute. Yeah. Um, but I'll, I'll say meet up with Jeff at a festival and we'll be on stage, hundreds of people, and he goes, oh, this new song. Um, <laughs> you'll be fine. Just come in around after the first chorus, whatever, whatever you feel like. You'll pick it up. <laughs> It's going, wow. So it's really, you put on the spot and that's, that keeps it really, really exciting. Mm. You know, Mm. there's no four weeks of rehearsals, pre-production, record it, do it again, change this around. It's just like, bang, immediate. What is your Mm. take on this? And that, and that is, that's sort of what um, recording albums used to be about. Mm. It's just like, Mm. It's a record of what's happening for that band at that point, at that time, and mm. that's it captured. Mm. Because if they were to do it a week later, it would be different. Yeah. So um, it's nice to work with Jeff in that context. Uh, say someone like Mia Dyson, she's got a really extensive back catalogue now and, mm. and some very popular songs, so she has to play those all the time. Mm. Um, Again, I'm lucky. She's just a magnificent singer-songwriter and it's just a joy to play those songs, you know. Yeah, I, yeah. I kind of, I think about maybe bands like U2 or mm. the Rolling Stones, you know, because there would be a certain level of awesomeness just being able to do that and continue to do that. Mm. But then also that, holy shit, we've got to play this fucking set again, you know. Yeah, yeah. How do they? How do they find the balance? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's a tricky one. You got to uh, yeah, yeah. Finding finding new inspiration and relevance to what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. Me artist, I think you always draw instru- inspiration from others who were doing it as well. Yeah, yeah. I find the trick for me if if there's a song I've been playing for years is to. Um, reconnect to the initial um, inspiration or emotion of the song, whatever, you know, imagery yeah. came up, you know, the first time I wrote it or whatever, when it was at its freshest, if I notice yeah. like, I'm just, I'm not even paying attention. I'm just, <laughs> I've just gone through the motions yeah. and I go, okay, cool. I've got to, got to reconnect with that thing. Otherwise it does become, can start to feel like a chore or like, I'm not even really enjoying this. I could be washing the dishes. I could be doing anything. <laughs> if you're not convincing yourself yeah. when you're doing it, you're not convincing anyone else who's watching. No, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, and so, yeah, you've played, um, you've played with lots of really great artists. And um, where, was, where was the first time you got into that sort of band situation? So, well, I guess you, you played with your primary school uh, music teacher, but yeah. when when did the idea of a band come together, or um, when was that? Oh, first mate, kind of- I was just busting. Just you know, I went and saw Midnight Oil in Year Seven. Right, with Rob Hurst's, uh, you know, flamboyant drumming and yeah, amazing uh, drummer. And that band, still my favourite band, just incredible yeah. songs. 
um, musicians. Uh, and really Aussie, Aussie as. Um, mm-hmm. So it was just always, always wanted to be in a band. So in high school, formed my own groups there uh, with with kind of like-minded friends. Yep. Uh, unfortunately for me, I was sort of, I was sort of restricted a bit because my parents were pretty strict in that I said, you can't be in a band band, like go and play out pubs and stuff until you finish high school. Mm. It was kind of fair enough and a bit conservative. And I was like, no, I want to get, let me out. Let me just, yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. So, I'm, I'm so much better than the drummer in my brother's band. You know? yeah. <laughs> Bursting at the seams to get involved. Yeah, so it's a good sign. A high school band. Actually, I just, I actually played bass and sang in my high school band because mm. that's how it landed. But um, uh, crazy big Catholic family, right? And um, you know, we were all forced to go to church as kids. And so, yeah. in my mid-teens, we just went. Church is so shit. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna make it fun somehow, you know. Yeah. And, me and my brothers, we made this thing up called the Rock Mass. <laughs> cool. so once a sun, once a month on a Sunday, we'd all bring a band in and we we do songs yeah. that were relevant to us. Like it could have been Lenny Kravitz "Let Love Rule" or Beatles, you know. Um, so that was kind of, I guess, my first real live music mm-hmm. experience. Um, yeah, which was very formative as well, and because it really instilled a sense of right this is important you've got to be on the ball mm. you've got to learn the song you've got to know the song you've got to play it to the room you've got to you've got to be uh, respectful of the the event you know mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you've got to you got to load your bloody gear in and out you know? you've got to do <laughs> yeah. a sound check yeah so it was a big um lucky for me i got to learn the ropes sort of early like that mm-hmm. um you know that didn't last long it was i was more i wanted to play at the pubs and stuff so mm. As soon as I was done, I was like, bang, down the local pub, mm. playing in my brother's band, Friday night, rocking yeah. the house, loving it and just, you know, I'm sure if I look back now, I would hate my style of playing and what I was doing. <laughs> but yeah. at the time, it just felt awesome. And um, and uh, I went, I ended up moving out of home about that stage, studying at Melbourne Uni, doing visual arts and going to see lots of bands, already sort of establishing a little network of friends and and, uh, other musicians and then just, I don't know, just sort of, you know, it started, do you know Carl Panuzzo? He's in Checkerboard Lounge. Yeah. Um, They used to play at the Great Britain in Richmond, which is, I think it's just apartments now, but anyway, it's an awesome pub. Yep. And uh, I would go and see them, and they were renowned for having people jump up and guest and play. Right, And right. for some reason I'd convinced a few of that community that I could play, and one time I got up and had a jam, and then that was it. And I was like, oh, fuck, Danny, wow, that's awesome. So then I was like, okay, come back, come back. Oh, come right, and play right. here, come and do that, come that. So yeah. that really, I can thank Carl and uh, Ian Collard and, Max Meredith, rest in peace, and Angle Sheehan, uh, yeah, for that kind of little mm. 
Green, Dan Kerr. Yeah, so um, I guess that's where it really started. Then I, mm. then I was in bands. Then I was being the muso, tr- trying to survive on music. Yep. You know, I don't know how the fuck I did that, really. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Well, you probably easy. worked your ass off. <laughs> now worked yeah. your ass off. Gigs, yeah. Um, yeah, so that that moment seems like a really important moment. Um, was that where you sort of, the penny kind of dropped that it was like, oh, this is something that I can do or this is something that is like legit that um, is kind of, uh, was it a point of like no return or it sounded like you had that point immediately of no return. I was there, <laughs> you know, I was at uni studying to become a teacher in visual arts and I was just like, no. Nah. Not me, mm. bang, dive into music. So yep. um, it was more just like I'm doing this and it's going to work. It's not a case of I have to prove it or yeah. it was just I was just forcing myself into it because I knew that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. And you know, it's I've had to keep revisiting that drive mm. across the years because, you know, you know how the industry is. It ebbs and flows and... Mm. You know, one year I had 10 gigs, you know, and it was very depressing and I was just like, oh, maybe I'm done, I'm cooked, it's all over. But (laughs) the following years, records and tours and all sorts of things, so you just keep keep remembering that, that, like you're saying with that song, you've got to focus back to that initial inspirational point Mm. and like, Mm. like reconnect and just go, yeah. Awesome. It's just, yeah. um, I was just, I was just always meant to play music. So, yeah, yeah. And that's a, that's a pretty powerful belief to have. You know, like to come back to to go <clears throat> this thing again. Like, I think I um, might have mentioned this. Look, same though. It's the same for everyone I work for. You know, yeah, they just, they've just just known through yeah. high school. You know what? I this is what I'm doing. I'm going to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing you mentioned of like forcing yourself to make it work or it's kind of like burning your bridges or burn the boats, having no plan B and just like, I'm going to, I've just got to figure out how this works. And you just kind of, well, the irony around, is you'd have to have a plan B. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is many, many artists do. And you know, yeah, of course. You've got people a, are working in cafes, or they've got another gig on, or they're yeah. studying, or they completely work in another industry. Yeah, uh, or they work within the industry doing some other role, or you know, yeah, uh, venue, or yeah, there's yeah. there's ways offsetting. So the unfortunate non-support of art in our current climate. Yes, yeah. yes, it yeah, it's a different. Definite challenge. It's probably the biggest challenge as part of it, you know. If there were, if the financial backing was there, um, you know, obviously that makes it easier. But even in that case, like, it's interesting to think about um, artists who aren't, I don't know, fully sold on the idea, or maybe they didn't have to overcome any of the resistance to kind of make it happen. Sometimes it's handed to them, and they don't necessarily take full advantage of it, um, or the industry takes advantage of them. So what's coming to mind is like people that do Australian Idol or any of these kind of talent shows where they go from, um, they're obviously passionate and they're very talented, but they go from never really having to 
grind at it to this exposure yeah. and then they're not sure how to follow it up. Because they just present this kind of flashy, glitzy uh, idol and go, hey, look, you can have this awesome success. Come yeah. in, bang, there you go. Uh, and they install in kids who are watching that kind mm. of false sense of uh, success yeah. uh, because, you know, maybe there's only two or three at the most of those contestants who have come through the other side and made a career and been successful. The rest are all mm. just shunted into shopping centres and never heard of again. Yeah. Uh, so um, I was thinking... Oh, you touched on a point. Uh, I have to pause the video here a second. Yeah. Uh, well, while you while you think about it, the um, I wrote a song about that dynamic um, years ago called "Ship in a Bottle," and it's the the metaphor for this kind of teen idol or pop idol thing was that the industry sort of takes these um, idols and it's this prepackaged thing, and they they package it all up and they throw it out onto the ocean <laughs> and it's kind of bobbing around. But then eventually another year passes and they need a new idol because they've got a new season to do. So oh, exactly. So they throw it's another one out. never about the art or the artist. <laughs> no. It's a machine going churn, 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 hit, just song, 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 yeah. next one, next one, next one, story, story, next, yeah. next. Yeah. I'm surprised they're still going. <laughs> yeah. People aren't, you know. Yeah, people haven't. Twigged on. But then, yeah, you have all these um, ships in bottles floating in the ocean. They all just like crashing into each other and sinking each other. Meanwhile, <laughs> there's someone just kind of rubbing their hands. Actually, this jumper, this is the, uh, the film clip for that song is this little character. This oh. is kind of... Um, oh, yeah. And so he's this little character who's trying to save, <laughs> save these musicians. It's this stop time animation thing. And there's this... Oh, like, I, remembered what you, um, I remembered what I was going to touch yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. To the point, there were some artists that, uh, you know, are just sort of handed things like this idol. But there's also um, some artists who are just given the opportunity and the money and support and backing and can do it. Mm. Um, it's not it's not a given that they succeed or are happy. Mm. Uh, with the latest announcement of the arts and entertainment industry rescue package. Mm. Uh, that's what I was thinking about this morning. I'm like, they've, they've held off on that deliberately, you know, because mm. there's this sort of, there's this, there's this ideology that goes, artists have to be struggling, otherwise mm. the art isn't any good, oh, you know. Yeah, right. yeah. And I thought about it. I'm like, Man, there's, sure, there's examples through history of the church paying artists to paint roofs and things and, and fantastic mm -hmm. art being created. But I was thinking, nah. There is always going to be amazingly talented artists, just always. Mm. There always is, mm. always will be. Mm. Um, so if there is that support and money and opportunity and exposure granted, I, you know, there's just going to be more awesomeness, more <laughs> yeah. great art. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea of, of um, cutting back any kind of support Mm. Because that's the only way we're going to get good art. I think that's false. And, yeah. Uh, but also of like creating a false idol. <laughs> like this is the only way you're going to be famous. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think there's there's a lot of 
mythology and and just myths around art that just are not helpful they're not supportive like to anyone who like like for you who had that innate like interest and curiosity and drive or whatever if the story we're constantly told is you're going to have this one shot and this one opportunity maybe yeah and yeah. if that doesn't work out you might yeah. as well just become a clerk somewhere or whatever um yeah. and that's the end it's like game over yeah. rather than the the narrative that when you end up reading biographies of artists who have who have done it they they tell this story of you know i did this and then that didn't work and then we released a third album and then a fifth album and then and then we started getting some recognition or whatever and then since then we've continued to work and blah 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 did you start mm. to form this more holistic picture of a an artist and what it is to be an artist and the lifetime journey of an artist that you go oh okay cool this is this is about the long game. It's it's and it's it's about something much deeper about expressing myself and connecting with an audience and all you that. know, Mia. That's that's not a good backstory. You can't edit yes. that down into a fifteen <laughs> second ad. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of um, yeah pub publicists and managers and stuff have had to definitely cultivate that story. That's it's yeah, <laughs> I've, I've played artists who were approached by those television shows and said, "Come and be on it, and uh, we'll guarantee you get to this stage of the competition." Oh, so right! It's all just fake. It's all set up. We know who's inside scoop. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's um. It's, it's all WWF. about selling, advertising, and whatever song they put out at the end. Yeah, that's all it's about. Yeah, so, yeah. Sorry, there kids. You there so, you go. It's in a Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so to switch topics only very slightly, um, but coming back to your your drumming thing, there was something I was curious about. Was um, you know, to, I mean, so you obviously you had an innate interest very early on, but I wanted to find out what. It, what is it about drumming that you love that you think other people don't know about or don't get? Like, you know, even people you perform with or whatever, that there must be something about it that you think this is the best. That's why I'm doing it. Like, I love this and you don't get it. <laughs> There's something about it. Oh. I'd love to know, you know. I don't know if people don't get it. If they maybe mm. just don't have that same connection. Mm. Uh yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was wondering what's kind of the secret to, um, yeah, remaining passionate about drumming or the thing that really draws you to it. So I think as a songwriter, um, a big part of it is communicating something. Like I think that's the thing that I find special about it and maybe it's like, yeah, more directly. I know you do that in, in all instrumentation, but... Um, I don't know, communicating a very specific idea maybe, but I don't know what it is for for other instruments. I, find I, I keep that passion going by working with new people like yourself because then you you come into contact with someone else's influences and wishes and kind of interpretations, mm. ideas and song. And so then that immediately gives you a new brief, you know. Ah. Oh, Okay, what what do I do to that? 
mm-hmm. as opposed to me just thinking, I've got to keep myself interested. I'm going to come up with a new drumming bit and then post it. I'm like, I don't do that. I, yeah. You know, of course I've had to succumb to the self-promotion, self-content uh, creator, new age, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. Try and post stuff. But, yeah, for me I, I, I get more joy out of having a song placed in front of me and go, okay, can you play drums to it? I mm. get more joy out of that and going, how am I going to do my next Instagram post, you know? Like, mm. um, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, I, I tend to work work really well to a brief it's given to me, yeah, mm. as opposed to coming up with things myself. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, that... Well, maybe to continue on with that idea of um, when when someone presents you with something and then there is that moment, like you're talking about with Jeff Lang, you know, like, hey, just come in at the chorus or whatever. Um, so I guess we're sort of talking about the creative process, but um, what sort of runs through your mind when you're, when you're first encountering a new piece of music as far as, how, you know, how do I bring rhythm to this or... It's probably not a very um, conscious process, but no, it's a you bit, might reflect on well, it. I'm a bit limited because I, I sort of just go, oh, what's, what's the most classic basic thing and what feels right? Mm. So, and as we know, you know, things develop over time the more you sort of play through things and change stuff up. Mm. But uh, it's just it comes back to that innate thing. It's just what's falling out of me right now? Mm. What, what are my limbs? What's it just doing to to fall into that that feels right? Mm. And I might listen back and go, "That's boring as a batshit," or <laughs> oh, "Are you doing way too much?" Or um, you know, it's just it just comes down to the instant what feels right, mm. yeah. which yeah. is kind of easy for drummers, <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> A lot of musos go, bloody, 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 and just sit there and bloody whack stuff, you know. Yeah. <laughs> they have to learn the, the chord changes and all the rest. Mm. <laughs> but, you know, there's a lot you have to learn and... and, and oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I think I've said this to you before, but when, yeah, when I was preparing to make the record, like, um, for me, that the drumming was such an important part. It was really the next element, apart from, all right, here's the song, and I know, you know, kind of how that goes. Yeah. Now, how, how do we, you know, find the rhythm that goes into that to really increase the dynamics and create space and atmosphere and all that stuff? Um, yeah. I'm with what's you that? too. I'm with you too. I mean, what, yeah. what's music? Rhythm and melody. <laughs> yeah. You know, break that down. It shits me when I hear bad drum mix or just, Mm. And what's obviously an awesome drumming thing just lost. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so important. I agree. There's, there's songs that have the drums way up there and are really helping people get into it, I reckon. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And you notice sure. when the drumming's a bit shit too because it's like, oh, the magic yeah. isn't there. Um yeah. Yeah. And I've heard from producers, basically the two things they hear, especially in lots of pop production really is you, if you're kind of hearing that song from the, from another room, you want to hear 
the drums, whether it's just the kick, but you want to hear the drums and the vocal. Like that's really essentially what is going to drive that song and everything yeah. else is yeah. ornamentation. <laughs> and we're, we're totally discounting everything else. Like, you know, bass is super important. And oh, but, um, no. well, that's the challenge of music, isn't it? Trying to make it all work. Yeah, yeah. From, exactly. from jamming into playing and performing and recording, they're all trying to find that right balance and the right mix. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Drums, mate. Where would we be without them? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, exactly. way back when, we would just come out of the caves and we're howling at the moon and then go, yeah. oh, <laughs> oh, there's a melody there. Cool. Ooh, and like, yeah. Hit some logs. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it so is. It was there from the start. Yeah. It is deeply primal. I mean, you know, oh, and mate, African drumming is kids. Just you know, all mm. of my nephews and nieces have all just like want to come here and go. Can we go to Uncle Daddy's and play the drums? You know, and yeah, yeah. Um, every singer songwriter I work with all have a bit of. Oh, can I have a go? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's kind of where my musical journey kind of started with drums. My my older brother had got a drum kit, and I was probably like, yeah, like five or six or something. And I loved just getting on there. I don't think I was very rhythmic, but just loved hitting it. And um, and then you know what it is? It's that it's that pure immediate expression. You mm. know, because there's something mm. like kids have with with art. You know, ah, oh, finger painting, oh, media done. There it is. Color. It's the same yeah. with drums. Bang, sound, sweet. Yeah, it's yeah, music. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like art and music. It's all just sort of right there. So mm. that's why drums are pretty special. I think. Yeah, yeah. I never thought yeah. of that. Yeah, the, there's a little barrier to entry to piano or guitar. Like it hurts your fingers and it really doesn't sound good for. Got to think time. about it. Yeah, you got to <laughs> think about where does that go and how's this going? And you got to left hand, right hand. Like, ah. Yeah, with drums, it's like, let's just make some noise. And also, yeah. like, yeah, coming back to that thing of expression, like you can just, you can express an emotion like without knowing, you know, without articulating it or whatever. Like as a kid, you like a little kid can sit there and just be tapping the drums or they can just go nuts. And yeah. um, it, it is an opportunity of like creative expression. I guess yeah. that's why, you know, I have a few favourite drummers or favourite kind of drumming. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not one of these modern guys who loves all the technical, you know, flamboyant, you know, rudiments and yeah. chop, chop fest, you know. I was like, fine, but I, I get bored <laughs> after seconds. Yeah. And go, oh, all right, what are you saying? You just, yeah. just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so that doesn't do it for me. Like there's there's some local drummers, Jim White from the Dirty Three. You know, he's very, he's very painterly, mm. like painting the music rather than you know yeah he's like yeah yeah he's just throwing stuff at the canvas <laughs> you know it's like awesome that's my favorite kind of drumming because it's yeah. expression mm. and uh, and it's different you know because when I, when i see all the technical guys going off online, I'm just like, but you all sound exactly like one another. Yeah, yeah. Down to the 
kit sounds you've got. You know, I'm just like, mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's um, yeah why I was drawn to your drumming when I, I, I probably first heard you play with Jeff Lang, I think, and um, just the like the freedom and the expression that. I heard coming through, it just felt so alive. You know, it wasn't like buttoned down, like, tick, 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 tick. like it was still, you know, super tight and powerful, but there was this, you know, space. And, and from now that I know more of your story, I can kind of see where that comes from. Just like your intuition of, of playing and tapping into the emotion first, or just being very open, like to whatever kind of comes through rather than, uh, yeah. Okay, cool. I know what, what um, pattern and um, poly- polyrhythms are going to work with this or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Which when I, I, I went and studied um, jazz guitar stuff, but I, I'd come from this place of, you know, writing my own songs and the emotion being super important. And um, we'd have band rehearsals, like, you know, small group band rehearsals. And some of them were so technical the way they would write songs. They'd be like, oh, okay, well, we'll do this. And then that chord, that goes to the blah, blah. And they said it as if it was just like written in stone that when you play that chord, it has to step to this next yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. And I literally felt sick in my stomach. Like I felt really upset. <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, no, you, you can't do that to music. Um, yeah. And there an expression. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are. Can't like, say, it's the paintbrush and you can only do this with the paintbrush if you start to go. <laughs> yeah. The only thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I definitely, I learned some really great, you know, things in theory and whatever that helped in songwriting, get me unstuck and things like that. But they're, they're tools to reach for when you need them rather than, oh, here's the tool and this is what it does. Um, but yeah, definitely, yeah, that, that creative expression definitely comes through in your, in your playing. So we'll have to well, direct Cal- people Cal- to... Calpanuso is another influence in that way because he... he yeah my eyes this is back at the gb with checkerboard lounge yeah uh he had my eyes to the fact that music isn't just a a box and that's Mm. start and end you know he he would take the music like they would just jam and they and he'd like fall into this other pattern and then that would fall into another thing and then the band would follow Mm. him and then all of a sudden we're in a completely other territory Mm. and and they're like, cool, let's explore this. And then it would eventually come back to the how they started the song. But that for me was a real opener of, of a real live music, live expression artist. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I really thank, for, thank that band for that mm. because it just made me think totally, like what's, what's stopping you if you want to express yourself in music? Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one person and they're inside your head, but that's, that's about it. If yeah. you get that person yeah. out of the way, there's like this entire musical right. universe to explore. There is, there is respect and, and sort of things you have to conform to if you, you're in a if band. It's to. like, oh, you're on a stage, you're playing this song. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't just go, oh, I feel like <laughs> you know, yeah. in the chorus, you know. So, yeah. but, but the fact that just music as a thing, like you saying, mm. you felt sick by being restrained. It's like, mm. just come back to the idea that music just is a is a creative outlet and an and a an essence and a thing that you can just you can paint just like paint mm. if you want. 
Yeah, if you want. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, we might we might um close her up here, and um, I'm sure we could go on to uh, other dimensions, and maybe we will in the future. We'll do another episode. Yeah, talk, talk all talk about more. the Plan B of animation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can talk about that. Well, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I already feel like opening that can of worms, but maybe we'll. Oh, um, okay. It's up to you. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll come back to it. Let's do a part two. All right. Because it'll be right. good to see you again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it'll be good. And hopefully, so, I, I see you in the flesh before before I see you in, in the out. Some stuff will be out by that point that we can talk about. As well. Yeah, cool, cool. Lots of Great. little things have been working away on at home in COVID, which has been nice. Awesome. Great. Great. Cool, man. Thanks for the, thanks chat, for the chat. Yeah, it's really good to see you. you and too, mate. Good to hear more of your backstory. Ah, oh, thanks. Yeah. I hope, uh, I hope some people got something out of it. <laughs> I'm sure they <laughs> thanks did. Thanks for listening, everyone. Cool. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, mate. Take care. Catch up. So there you have my conversation with Danny McKenna. It was really fun to have that chat. So thanks to Danny. In the description below here, or as part of the notes for this episode, you'll find links to a number of the things we talked about in this episode. If you want to go check out some clips and some music, please feel free to do that. Also, to connect with Danny, um, his contact details would be there as well, where you can find him on the socials. In the meantime, it would be great if you would rate this uh, episode, review it, share it, like it, post it around the place or leave a comment below and I'd love to hear from you. If you want to get a free download of some of my music, you can head to meobiskin.com slash free music. You can also pick up a CD at meobiskin.com. You can listen to the album there. You can stream it and if you dig it, grab yourself a signed limited edition CD posted to you anywhere in the world. So thanks for tuning in. Look forward to having you on the next podcast, which will be coming out soon. All right. Peace out. Bye.